Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 123, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining me in person, we've got member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klosterman. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. Welcome back. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Also joining us this week, we've got Secretary Shauna. Secretary Shauna, how are you? What's up, boys? <laughs> you are loud. This came, in, <laughs> came in a little hot. She's excited. I'm excited that. to get started. Welcome back. Thanks. All right. Before we get in the episode, we always, always got to talk about our friends. First of all, Raging Pro Wrestling, RPW, Heatwave 3, this Saturday already, taking place Whoa. at the Watering Hole in Green Bay. Some tickets are still available. Special bell time at 6 o'clock, so you're going to want to get there early. And have a blast, because it is a jam-packed card full of all sorts of talent. Keep also- the front row seats warm for us. Yeah, keep them up because we will not be at this one, but we will be back at RPW events come November, November 3rd and 4th, back-to-back nights. One night Wapaka, one night Mantuak. So cannot wait to be back. Um, Also, plenty of local wrestling this week, too. Also, Friday night, uh, wrestling night at the Timberallers Games featuring ACW superstars, also featuring uh, Hornswoggle and Mr. Kennedy from WWE. So be sure to check them out and support a lot of the local wrestlers as well. But RPW Heatwave at the Watering Hole coming up Saturday night, 6 o'clock bell time. I believe doors will open an hour before, so probably about 5 o'clock. Um, also putting Kevin Krieger, the initial, uh, the first ever recipient of the RPW Hall of Fame. So Wisconsin wrestling legend Kevin Krieger being inducted into the Hall of Fame. So be sure to check that out as well. All right. We've also got to talk about our friends over at Ray's Energy, repsports.com, code, code root 4, R-O-O-T, number 4, 15% off of any order at repsports.com, which brings us to what we had rooted for, and that is brought to you by Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores, including your Green Bay Packers, as they have officially released their 2023 regular season sideline gear, came out today, uh, is available as well. Show your love for your NFL team with hashtag 2023FanaticsKickoff as the new campaign. So find your gear, find your team, whether it be the Packers, the Jets. Not the Jets. A little bit of Not both. The, Jets. the Bengals and the Bills. The Jets. A little spoiler alert. The Jets. No. We hate the Jets. We hope they go 0 and 17. Will not happen. Anyway. No, we hope, that we hope he's got to play at least three quarters of the season. So That's great, but that, he can that, lose. That's all we care about. He can play, but he can lose. Mm. Are you on an Aaron Rodgers train, too? No. Oh, thank heavens. No. I'm not like your, your fiance. The Jets. So show your love for your team or players. Hashtag 2023 NFL kickoff fanatics. Sean, you've been gone for a couple of weeks, so I'll let you start this off. What did you root for in the last couple of weeks? Uh, I'm going to go with my root for for WWE and Edge for his retirement after 25 years. 25 years of the rated R superstar, <sighs> the ultimate opportunist. Even though I think he's going to go to AEW for one last run with one Christian. La- one last run. And the Hardys. Mm-hmm. I, feel like, I feel like it's going to happen. Probably well, it does. 
D, um, Bubba Ray or Bully Ray is with Impact. So technically, they just got to find Devon. And they could have one last. I think, I think he's with AEW already. Is he? I think so. So they could have one last run of three of the greatest tag teams yeah. in pro wrestling. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that is ultimate awesome career. Uh, he was a guy that you love to hate so much for a lot right. of his career. He was such a great bad guy. Mm-hmm. He, he was the perfect guy at the time to go against John Cena. He really was. I mean, you think about the fantastic matches of Cena and Edge, and you throw in Randy Orton and Triple H even, too. Those three guys, four guys, were such an integral part of the Ruthless Aggression era. Yep. And the PG era, for that matter, too. Uh, well, Cena mostly, but yeah. the Ruthless Aggression era, which came off of the Attitude Era, kind of that great transition of, obviously, Edge and Christian doing their thing in the tail end of the Attitude Era as well with the tag teams and the invention of the TLC match, which has become its own premium live event, which has become really a standard of pro wrestling is that TL, literally tables, ladders, and chairs. Right. Um, has become such a standard of pro wrestling. So definitely a pioneer in that sense as well. Uh, my Route 4. Actually, no, Sean, I'll let you go first. Um, I don't really have one. Summer has come to an end. It has, which is sad. But we are ushering in a new season, boys. And that's fall. The pumpkins are out at this address. Apartment 3. The pumpkins are out. <laughs> I'm going to use two root fours. Uh, first and foremost, I do have to have a special message to the family of Signora Amy Shaw. May she rest in peace. A uh, high school teacher of mine who revolutionized the Spanish program at Gillette. Uh, I was not fortunate enough to have taken class with her long enough because she came my senior year. But she did end up taking two foreign trips with the Spanish club um, as part of the Gillette Spanish program. Uh, but also just incredible person, too. Got to talk a lot of basketball with her. Her husband's a basketball coach. Her brother-in-law's a basketball coach. Uh, knows basketball inside and out. Her Twitter handle, or X, I guess X technically now, was at bballwidow4. Um, fantastic mom, all that stuff, too. So uh, may she rest in peace. Was a great influence growing up. Um Back to sports, my route for in that category, Ty Majeski getting his first truck win of the season uh, and locking himself into the round of eight for the playoffs. So Ty Majeski, the Wisconsin product, got the win at Indianapolis. He'll be moving on in the next round of the playoffs, hopefully hunting for a second straight Final Four appearance to race for a championship come championship weekend at Phoenix. Nice. Woo. Go so Ty. With the positives do come the negatives. And that leads us to our Tyler Hero Nugget of the Week. Shauna, you got one for us? I do. I looked at that birch, sideline merch for the it's Packers. Good. It's ugly. So Nugget of the Designer. Not saying that I could do much better because I'm not really a graphic designer. The NFL merch as a whole this year, just not good. I need more. It's just, it's boring. It's just the plain emblem with green shirts. I'm, I need more. 
give me something fancy. But they do. They are running back the tie dye hats this year, which the hats suck. I might need to get me one of them. I hate that. No, 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 no. The winter hat that our friend Mondo has. I didn't like that one either. Well, I did. Obviously I might have not. to. I might have to get one for uh, the Bengals. <laughs> All right, Sean, you're Nagy. Uh, I don't. I don't think I have one. Ooh, really positive. Don't. Thought you had one in the pre-show. No, I, I'm, I have one, but I'm not going to say it because it's, no. All right. I'm going to go Barstool Sports for this. And, and Barstool, specifically uh, with their commentator, Brandon Walker. Uh, now, this apparently is a video that resurfaced in the last week or so. Apparently, it happened actually a couple months going back. But Brandon Walker, Barstool Sports, going on a a rant about the Little League World Series being the worst sporting event on TV every year is just an awful, awful take. I mean, first of all, it really is one of the, I think it's one of the best things to watch every year because it's the purest form of baseball. It's happy. It's fun. The kids are there literally having the time of their life. Uh, you know, you don't see a whole lot of guys obviously go pro. Um that play in the Little League World Series. What? You just got super focused. You kicked me. Oh, sorry. You got super focused at the TV. I'm sorry. I, okay. <laughs> and you, like, you were like fixated on the fumble that happened. First of all, happened Saturday. Right. But I kicked you because my leg needed to extend. My leg. It needed to extend. My leg. Sorry. Anyways, Barstool. Barstool. Bad. Brandon Walker. Um, but I, just, I can't imagine hating on the Little League World Series. No, it's the best best thing about or fall time here and everything that way. I mean, you, you, I can't get enough of it every every year. It it truly is one of the best things on TV. It's so, like I said, just so pure. It's happy. You've got the kids who are making friends that they'll probably have for a lifetime from all over the world. Playing baseball like at its most fun level before it really becomes. I mean, it's it's a huge business the way it is, and it's like all these travel teams and kids all star teams anyway. But it's before it really becomes serious. Like you don't have scouts there per se. It's not you know where you get to Babe Ruth where it starts becoming more results driven and process driven and all that. So really, kind of the last bastion of fun baseball. And to shit on that and saying it's hard to watch, it. I mean, I guess if you're comparing it to the MLB, I think it's more fun to watch than that. Oh, MLB. it's 100 percent more fun to watch. But if you're gonna talk about a kid making a play from third to first, maybe having a couple more bad throws, sure. But that's the fun of the game, right? Um, which, speaking of, just real quick, did you see the bats that were used at the uh, oh, yep. like the Williams, yep, uh, I did Williamsport showdown or You're whatever they had Sunday night Har- baseball? Bryce Harper's and the pencil bat. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was that was really cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah, um, I'm glad that they do that every year. They do the little league showcase with the MLB should, teams. They should let them let the players do that more often. They really should. I'm like, I remember. Do you remember like the players weekends they had? Like mm-hmm. for two or three years where they had like the Little League inspired jersey and the nicknames on the back. Yep. That was like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm really bummed that they went away from it because they went, they did one or two years, I think, with like all black or all white jerseys too. And those kind of sucked. And then they went away from it completely, I think, with the Nike switch, which Nike should be all over that, you'd think. You would think, but. 
But anyway, so that is our Noogies of the Week, which leads us into trivia. Yeah. Um, this week, we've got Seattle trivia because we're going to size up our opponents. So I got a little bit of Seahawks trivia, and I got a little bit of the city itself trivia. Um, so we're going to see how well we know the city of Seattle and the Seattle Seahawks. So All right, let's see you, you must ring in with your name. Um, some of them will be multiple choice. I will let you know before. This question is not multiple choice. This question is, 1950 was the wettest year on record for the city. How many inches of precipitation doused Seattle in 1950? And we'll go, we'll go Price is Right rules. So each of you will get a guess and whoever's closer. Because otherwise you're just going back and forth. If we're going Price is Right rules, we can't go over then, right? So well, we're just going to go whoever's closer. Okay, because are, are you know we, what would happen is I'd say a number, Sean would go like plus one. No, no, no. no. We're, we're just going to go whoever's closer, not Price is Right rules. Whoever's closer. Okay. Feet or inches? Um, this is inches. Inches, okay. Wettest year on record. Just putting some math in my head here. Because I'm trying to think of what the conversion is. Um, Eric, 297 inches. I was going to go 220. Well, the answer is 55.14 inches. Shit. So Sean gets the point because he was closer. I did my math backwards. Because the, there, there's, there's a conversion of like 10 inches of rain is one inch of snow. Yeah. And I, I thought it was 10 inches of snow was one inch of rain. And I was figuring I, that they I got was, all rain. I was still expecting it to be that much rain. Oh, okay. Well, so I feel Seattle like, is I, I feel not. I like Seattle's. It's all rain. All the time. Well, Seattle's not getting 200 inches of rain. Really? <laughs> all right. Controversial linebacker Brian Bosworth was selected in the 1987 supplemental draft. Which college did Brian Bosworth attend? Eric. Um, the question was still going when he answered. No, it wasn't. You said it at the same time. I'm thinking of a number one through ten. Thirteen. Six. <laughs> What's your number? <laughs> he said his number. Two. It was three. Son of a bitch. It's always three, Eric. Oh, your no, answer. Oh, maybe. Is it Oklahoma? It Fuck. is Oklahoma. Very good. Okay. Bad now we have another Seattle question. After the breakup of Nirvana in 1994, Dave Grohl went on to found what named Seattle band? Eric, Foo Fighters. Very good. Yeah, I didn't know that. You didn't know mm -hmm. Foo Fighters were from Dave Grohl, who was in Nirvana? No. The drummer of Nirvana is not the front man of... All right. Another um, Seattle Seahawks question. Which prestigious university did former Seahawks quarterback Rick Myrer graduate from? M-I-R-E-R. -E prestigious? He was the second overall pick of the Seahawks in the 1993 draft. He was picked by the Seahawks right after New England pick Washington State Cougars quarterback Drew Blesdow as the number one overall Blesdow. pick. Bledsoe. Bledsoe. Bledsoe, yep. Would you like multiple choice? It's a, like, it's a very prestigious football college. Eric, oh. no. 
I guess I don't know if it's a football college. So it's a prestigious college. Prestigious. Eric, Harvard. No. Stanford? No. Would you like choices? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Duke, University of North Carolina, Notre Dame, Florida State. Shark. Eric, Notre Dame. It is Notre Dame. Son of a bitch. Were you going to say Notre Dame? It was. <laughs> See, that's the first one that popped into my head, too. Yes, they, I would classify them as a football yes. school. Okay. In, this is a Seattle question. In 1972, which active but yet-to-be-identified serial killer was appointed to Seattle's Crime Prevention Advisory Committee? Eric Ted Bundy. That is correct. Wow, Eric's real good at pop culture. All right. Because he lives with you. That's true. <laughs> Seattle Seahawks question. In which year did the Seahawks have their first winning season? I don't know what year they were founded. So, Well, it's at least 93. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm gonna go Sean and go 1997. I'm gonna say Eric 19. No, 2001. Okay, well, it was in the 70s, so I'll give you that. Oh, okay. 1977. 1976. Sean was closer. It's 1978. God damn it! <laughs> Watch it. You do not need to use the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. All right, Seattle question. Airing on Nickelodeon from 2007 to 2012, what sitcom had a Seattle teenager who creates her own web show with her Eric. BFF Sam and Freddie? Eric. Eric. He answered before the question I was still, done. He, I still didn't answer. I was yeah, but you buzzing answered, in. You I was buzzing you in. You buzzed. still haven't buzzed in. Sean, Eric. Carly. I'll give you both a point because I don't know what happened there. But if any of you are keeping track at home, it's five to three. Sean's winning. You buzzed in before the question was done. All right. You shouldn't get a point. Well. He had these conversations. Okay. <laughs> Legion of Boom was the impressive nickname for the defensive backfield of what mid-2010s football team? Sean. Eric. The Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> I thought we were going with a year. I was going to say the 2015 Seattle Seahawks, 2014 Seattle Seahawks. No. 2013 Seattle Seahawks. I was asking. You just had to be smarter than the question. It was a trick question. Which I'm player dumb. wore the jersey number 12 before the Seahawks retired it? Oh. Jersey number 12 was retired for the fans of Seattle or the 12th man. However, this person was the last person to have it. Would you like multiple choice? Yes. First of all, is Jim Zorn, Dan McGuire, David Krieg, Sam Atkins. Eric A. No. The, the one you had trouble pronouncing. No. Eric B. No. Sean D. <laughs> yes, it was <laughs> Sam Atkins. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Oh. Oh. Okay. Seattle is one of two major U.S. cities located on an isthmus, a narrow piece of land between two bodies of water. What state capital, which boasts a free weekly newspaper called the Ithsmiths, is the other? It's in our neck of the woods, boys. Eric Lansing, Michigan? No. It's a, it's a capital city in our neck of the woods. 
Well, it sounds like Eric. It should be Madison. It is Madison. Good job. But with that, that is our last question. Sean wins seven to four. Oh, what are the Mendota and Lake Mendota and Monona? Oh, it's an isthmus. Actually, I was thinking of a lot bigger bodies of water. Right, I was too. <laughs> I'm like, man, you got one ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was not. I was not thinking of lakes. I was thinking. Okay, Do like, you guys need to come and sit in my fourth grade uh, social studies class and learn about it? Well, Smith? first of all, we need to go through capitals because Chicago is not <laughs> the capital of Illinois, Sean. What is? Springfield. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. <laughs> it is the, the quiet Chicago. <laughs> I would have never thought it was Madison. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. <laughs> it is Springfield, by the way. <laughs> Because you Googled it. My phone's right there. Chicago. <clears throat> All right. Anyway. So you lose again. So normally here, this is where we do our Wisconsin Web Story of the Week. Um, this time, though, we are not going to do Wisconsin Web Story of the Week. Truthfully, for two reasons. One, a lot of this stuff going on in Wisconsin, like news-wise, is just sad right now. So I don't want to kind of go on that. But there is a worldwide story that has kind of taken the attention of the sports world as well. Um, and that has been the fact that Michael Orr is seeking a lawsuit against the Tui family for royalties coming out of the Blindside movie and the book and the whole situation, uh, which has been one of the more interesting stories of the last probably calendar year. And has a whole lot of sides to it. Uh, first of all, I learned from an interview with Michael Orr, when he was going through the draft process, because of how he was portrayed in the movie, just kind of being stupid, teams didn't want him. He, felt, he was still a first-round pick, but he probably fell to the mid-teens and then the early 20s instead of being like a top-ten pick. Right. Um, which, when you're going through the draft, you know, obviously he's still going to make a lot of money. He made a lot of money playing football. It was really good. Uh, you don't need help falling in the draft. Teams are looking for a reason not to take somebody. They're not looking yep. for a reason to take somebody, yep. especially in the first round. Um, but it really has been interesting when you kind of start looking into it about how, like, movie contracts and stuff kind of break down, too. Because his the first allegation was that he was seeking fifteen million dollars. The the family said that if he didn't give them, or if they didn't give him fifteen million dollars, he was going to sue them. Um, which, by the way, it's so they still have the conservatorship over him, which is seems so unnecessary. Right. It's not like he was like Britney Spears running around shaving his head and having mental health problems, at least not publicly anyway. So. It seems like that's kind of a weird situation in and of itself that that's still going on. Um, also interesting from the movie, when they did the movie, the family signed with a creative, you know, like an agency, whatever, but they only had him with a family friend lawyer. So he has different representation for the movie and for the entertainment stuff, which I also find very weird. Yeah, the whole the whole thing was just set up so weird. And it's not like this this family was hurting for money or anything that way on top of everything. 
Well, and to be honest with you, it's not like he is either, per se. I no, mean, he's, no, he isn't. He's just trying to get what he feel is, feels is right. And... So are the Tuies like, crooked? I don't think there's going to be a good side that comes no. out of this. I really don't. Um, I, I do think they are crooked in this sense. But, like, what were they trying to prove? They're not trying to prove anything other than... But, I mean, like, when they, quote, adopted him... They're trying to ride his coattails and make a mint off of but it. But, like, like the actual story, though. Like, when they ad- adopted whatever you want to call it, when he was, what, 15 years old? I or, think he was actually, like, 16, 17. I okay, when so. he was that old, what, what were they trying to gain? Because they took him... They must have taken him on financially, then. They did. So that's the whole weird part about it, is they didn't formally adopt him. They... Got him onto a conservatorship, right? Which but like, also doesn't make any sense. And that's then, why this is what, weird. Then what were they trying to do? Then is what I'm asking. Like that doesn't make sense. I I think they were just trying to ride the coattails and get the NFL money, right? Because they, they knew he was going to be good, or what? More than likely. Oh, yeah. okay. They also there's a whole thing about how he got recruited to Ole Miss. Yeah, I, if this story comes out, I think it's going to be way worse for Ole Miss and all that kind of stuff. But was it shady? Well, because didn't it, the dad work with Ole Miss? It, it's shady, like, in the in the movie itself. Right. They got investigated, didn't they? I don't remember. There it's was a slight investigation like a, to it um, in the real time because they couldn't, they couldn't prove that there was, like, a collusion to get him to go there because I believe his high school football coach ended up getting a job there, like, a week later. Before he committed, or yeah, a week it, after. Was some, it was something like that. And the family had some sort of ties to the college too. I believe both, both of them, both them parents went. went. And then oh. that tutor that was in the movie also went there and wanted him to go there. Which I mean, there's nothing. I guess there, in the sense of there's nothing technically wrong about you know encouraging somebody in your family or no. your perceived family to go to the same school that you did. That happens all the time. There's legacy admissions. There's like a whole thing for that. But where it gets odd is because they couldn't prove the whole situation with how he was recruited and um, everything that kind of went with that too. It, it's just, it's going to, like, this is going to still have some twists and turns. Yeah. And I don't think he's money hungry by any sense. I don't think. Any but the why is this coming out now, though? Like, if it if it truly did bother him, then he really didn't like the movie. Then why wouldn't why wouldn't he make a big stink about it then? So there's two, maybe three things with that. One, he did write in his book in 2011, 2012. So he's written three books, or this he'll have a third book just coming out uh, within the upcoming weeks here. Um, the first book, I think he acknowledges that it was conservatorship, not being adopted. He points out some of the lo- like the flaws of the movie. Is it was creative licensing and all that stuff, um, but I think a lot of it is just the fact that he might just kind of now have the resources to kind of get what's his out of it. Because he's not in the league anymore, right? No, he. I believe he retired after the twenty seven, maybe twenty nineteen season. So he's kind of finally got the the freedom to do so. Um, but so there's that. Hmm. There's the whole, the actual contract of the movie, like for Sandra Bullock and, um, was it Tim McGraw plays yeah. the dad? Yeah. Is how it actually breaks down 
is for their portrayals, and actually, I believe for selling the story, they weren't paid a lot of money by the film initially. They were going to be paid like how it ended up performing at the box office. Right. Sure. Which is a whole other part of it because the family never disclosed those financial records to him. Sure. Because they had the conservatorship to hide behind. Hmm. And I think maybe part of it is just trying to get out of that conservatorship because there's no reason for him to be in one. Yeah. Right. So the, it's a whole situation uh, that obviously, like I said, I think it's going to take some twists and turns. Yet. I don't think there's going to be a good guy, bad guy in this. I think it's going to be who's less bad. Right. Yeah. Maybe. But definitely a fun kind of mm-hmm. sway to it. And again, first of all, makes me want to rewatch The Blind Side. But also just makes you really realize how, based on true story, based on true events, yeah, does have a lot of creative licensing with it to make a movie. Sure. Um, and then the the actor that actually played Michael Orr going at, or sticking up for Sandra Bullock that and every, all that kind of stuff because everybody said she should lose her. Is it Academy Award or Golden Globe or Oscar? Oscar, Oscar. for it. That's what it was. That yeah. she should lose that, and he's like, "Why should she lose that?" I, for anything that happened? I don't think she should. No. I, but, I mean, it's rightfully her. She played an incredible role, which right. was what she was told to play. I mean, who knew about any of this stuff anyway, you know, until now? Right. And it doesn't change the, the performance of the script of what she right. did. Exactly. I think, but they're, I think they're just saying that, like, had it would not have been written that way, she probably, the movie wouldn't have been as a success. Or right. It wouldn't have know. been a movie. If right. Right. But that's not her fault. If it was no, the blind but... side of the conservatorship. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not the point. Right. Oh. Yeah. I really wonder how that movie, if there would have been even a movie, if like the true facts about it would no, have. No way. Probably not. Probably not, but. Because there's probably even more stuff in the movie that is flabbergasted and everything that way. Well, it's really funny. I, because of this, it brought up the old uh, the Peyton Manning skit mm-hmm. of him. Yep. Right around that time, too, when the movie came out about the sequel mm-hmm. of him being kidnapped by the Tui family. <laughs> and it was, like, the blind side. Like, but they made, like, a horror movie. Really oh. funny video. I don't know. I just saw a meme on, on Netflix or on Facebook or whatever it was that said, Net- Netflix coming soon. Michael Orr in The Blind Sided. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Netflix special. I gotta watch a Johnny Menzel one all the way. It through. was very good. Is it? I've I, heard such good things. So, so I watched the American Gladiator one. Okay. This weekend too. That one was pretty good too. Did you have some free time on your hands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of free time on my hands. Oh, good. So Johnny Menzel one really good too. Yeah, it was. Because we we know I'm the, a Johnny Menzel guy. Yeah. And then a lot of stuff came <clears throat> out that I don't remember happening. Well, there's a lot of pieces of it that make a lot more sense. I mean, I love the fact like that they were able to concoct the oil money story. Right. So he could come up with him why he was making so much money and having such a lavish lifestyle and before no, NIL. And nobody looked into it. Nobody. What that was is, he doing? He was making bank. Yeah, he was he was, like doing autographs and stuff, which at the time you couldn't oh. do. Oh. So his friend that he called Uncle Nate became the fall guy for Got this whole it. thing. 
to come up with, yeah, his family, his great grandfather has oil money. They've been living on this. Yeah. And his dad was relatively successful financially and all that stuff. But it's just kind of one of those things. And did, did you hear the combine story? No, maybe. But go ahead. About that he went and did the first day of the combine and he got out of the drug testing because yes. they said that his, or his mom or dad was having a heart attack and he had to fly home. Yes. I did hear that. They had it, they had it on standby to when right. he was supposed to test. Whenever it was going to happen, yep. this was going to be the cover of why he couldn't do it. He had to go for a, a medical emergency. Yep. Family emergency. Um, <laughs> they also... I found it odd, and maybe maybe this is how the documentary people did it, but the fact that they had one coach, and it was Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. There wasn't any other coaches. There wasn't any other well, Kevin teammates. Well, Kevin Sumlin was in it a oh. little bit. Was he? Um, I would have loved to see Mike Evans in that. Because I, I really, I I'm curious on what that relationship is, because they, they seem pretty close still. Right, but I I feel like Mike Evans was probably in on it too, and he doesn't want... He doesn't need the press because right. he's still playing. Exactly, exactly. That that's why he's not there, or he wasn't in it. But also the fact—I mean, first of all, the fact that he zero filmed, which yeah. I find—it's not shocking when you watch his no. NFL career. But the fact that he did that in college, it's the still zero not film. That shocking. Well, I mean, just the guy was electric in college, right? And he was playing backyard bullshit football and having so much fun. How do you plan for that, though? That's the thing. That's a good point, too. Well, you pull the, you play the, Ty, the Tyreek Hill method. He doesn't watch film either. He said, you see this part? Yeah. Did he he came out saying Madden? he just plays Madden the night before a game and sees how his, def- how his matchups are going to defend him, which is also awesome. But, yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it's, it's wild. Um, I know one of the criticisms of that documentary is just that because it's it's real life, there's not like a, a an ending. You don't really know. Like he's still going through it, right? Um, which I know. Like, I guess he's opening a bar in College Station now. I sent you this. I can't um, remember what it's called though. I think it's like Money Time or something. It's like uh, yeah. Let me find Manzel's it Money Bar or something like that. Let me find it. Um. Johnny Menzel's money bar. Yes. <clears throat> but I mean all in all the what, money the money he made Texas A&M that he didn't get anything for is insane. Well, you think about how much money he made on the side with his oil money and it's still probably a fraction of what he should have made. They they said they like had donations for the school at like double or triple what they normally had. Do you remember the big controversy of that time? It was obviously pre NIL and you could search like by player name on the NCAA website, their fan shop and come up with the player. So it was, it was just so much money. And like you said, Mike Evans probably made bank during that time too. Oh, hundred percent, he did. But I, I, it made me realize. I mean, he still ended up in the A and M Hall of Fame, despite all the positives, all the negatives. 
Got to keep his Heisman like Reggie Bush. But Reggie Bush gave his up willingly, which that is a whole... He should have his back. Right. He will never get it back because no. he voluntarily gave it up. But they made him like look like a criminal for signing autographs, mm-hmm. which is now legal by NCAA standards. So, all in all... Oh, and I and I watched the um watch Cody Rhodes documentary yet? No, I didn't watch that. I watched the the steroid one. Steroid one. The Hall of Shame. Oh. With uh what is it? I can't I can't think of what Barry Bonds and everything like that was that steroid company or the Oh, Biogenics. Yeah, but no. Biogenesis. Yes. Yes. That was the allegedly Ryan Braun one. No, this was. I think this was before that. Oh. Let me let me, let me Google it here quick. But yeah, that one was that one was another. Uh, very interesting one that I watched this weekend. Sports documentaries right now are just the, the Balco Balco Lab. Yes. Sports documentaries right now have like kind of hit a resurgence for the first time since the original like Thirty for Thirty series. Yes, um, which were all phenomenal. Uh-huh. So yeah, that those were those were both very good this weekend, along with the American Gladiator one, because I remember watching that show growing up. I mm-hmm. love that show. So anyway, going back, sticking with our world of sports and going around the world of Wisconsin sports. Uh, we'll start in Milwaukee, looking at the first place Milwaukee Brewers. Going into today's action, do lead by two and a half games in the NL Central. Uh, had been three games going into yesterday, but the Brewers were off yesterday. Um, currently, game just starting off against the Twins, a little two-game set against Minnesota. And then they'll have a three-game set coming up this weekend against the Padres. So, Milwaukee Brewers still first place. Really, the bats, they ended up going 6-3 and three on the road trip, the nine-game road trip, which we had talked about two weeks ago, of how important that one was going to be. And did get swept by L.A. Uh, the bats were not there for that one, but came back alive against the first place, Texas Rangers. Uh, first and foremost, I got to say, after this weekend... Mark Canna might be the best deadline bat pickup since Mike Moustakis. <laughs> Which, I mean, there's not like a whole lot to look no. back at. But you look at some of the bats that they've had in the last couple of years, and even pre-Moose, you look at like, you look at, I remember they got, um, oh, what the hell was his name? Geraldo Parra. They had from the Diamondbacks. Gerardo, Gerardo Parra. Parra, sorry. I was going to say, Geraldo. Um, yeah, I, was, yeah. I got a little too too much Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> they had uh, Jonathan Scope, who was awful for the Brewers. Yeah. They had, even last year, um, Eduardo Escobar, a couple other. He was good, though. He was okay. I mean, but Mark Canna has been great. I mean, as advertised, Carlos Santana had a great weekend as well. Uh, I believe in the 14 games he's been with the Brewers, he's got six home runs, yep. including two over the weekend, Friday and Saturday. Uh, my only gripe over the weekend 
was the first game in the Texas series. They went into the ninth inning, leading nine to four, and decided to win that game nine to eight. <laughs> and they, I, I said to Shauna, I'm like, they realize they can win games by more than one run. No, because you need Devin Williams to close it out. Right. God forbid they have an easy one. Right. You know, uh, which I also come to learn though because of that horrific terror-inducing, anxiety-ridden, uh, cardiac crew Friday night, since Craig Council has taken over the Milwaukee Brewers, they have the best record in one-run games. And it's not even close. That seems about right. I, I know, like I said, the cardiac crew. That's what they have been under Craig Council. He thrives in those close games. They lose a lot of big spread games. And then they win a few of those. They have a couple going for them, but just it's never it's not always easy. Never gonna be. But still in first place, two games against the twins. Um Brewers just about to bat here, so we'll keep you updated throughout that one. Also around the National League Central, because now we're at scoreboard watching time. The Detroit Tigers are currently in a slugfest with the Cubs. Uh, they have a lead going into the bottom of the fifth, seven to six. Ooh. And the Reds are in action tonight as well. Uh, they're technically in third place. They will be on the West Coast playing the Angels with Mike Trout finally back. Nice. He was reinstated earlier today. So back to Mike Trout. And Shohei Otani doing historic things for a team that's sub-500. Right. Uh, but, yeah, so you're Milwaukee Brewers, first place. It was Craig Council's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday to Craig. 53 years old. Looks every bit of it because of the stress of this job. You ever watch him in the dog? He never looks happy. No, never He does. is always just going through it. Um, taking a look, I mean, the lineup tonight, Yelich, Contreras, Santana, Adamas, Canna, Tyrone Taylor, Bryce Trang, Brian Anderson back from the IL, and Joey Weimer in center field. Uh, one addition, and I didn't realize this either. We talk about the rookies, right? We talk about Sal Freilich very frequently. We talk about Joey Weimer. We talked about Garrett Mitchell, Brian, or Bright, Bryce Trang. Andrew Monasterio yep. has had an incredible year, and he's hitting like 280, 290. Yeah. And I believe. He, Technically, I mean, at this point, he's had enough games to register for, like, team leading and average and all that stuff, statistic-wise. Quietly. I mean, the yep. guy's had an incredible year. It has been an integral part of this Brewers uh, team to get them where they are right now. So, shout-out to Andrew Monasterio as well. Uh, staying within the ranks of professional baseball, looking at the farm system, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers have struggled over the weekend. They are still in the hunt for a second-half playoff appearance. Uh, but this weekend, they did hit a four-game low, have lost four straight, and are now four games under five hundred for the second half. Uh, do have some time to make it up. Cedar Rapids still well in first place, so, but they also won the first half. So really, it's a chase with Peoria and Beloit. For that second half division championship, uh, Peoria at twenty seven and twenty one, Beloit twenty three and twenty five, and the Timber Rattlers at twenty two and twenty six on the second half. 
So time to make it up, but time is ticking as well. I believe the Timberwolves will have four or five more six-game series coming up yet. So Inclu- what, 30, 30 games left? Thereabouts. Somewhere around there? Uh, including they are back home, as we kind of mentioned during the uh, the teaser for Wrestling Week or Wrestling Night. They are back at home this week. They'll have a four or six-game set against Quad Cities, which currently uh, they are in the bottom of the second inning down in Appleton. They are tied 2-2 two to two with the Timberlayers at the bat. Uh, big game coming up Thursday night. Sean and I will be in attendance. I'll be throwing out the first pitch as the Timberlayers 10 member of the game. So I'm pretty excited about that. Boo. I'm going to throw a knuckleball again. Can I boo you? If you want to, it would be really rude. But Why would can, it be rude? You're getting a free ticket because of me. So? Just saying, I think that's kind of rude. Is it though? It's not surprising. It's still rude. It's on brand. Doesn't right. make it better. Right. I'm only going because Shauna doesn't want to go. I don't disagree with you. I mean, that's very much what's happening, but <laughs> she got minor league baseballed out. We went to too many games this year. It's just disappointing. <laughs> How do you think I feel? Her microphone broke, by the way, so she really yep. can't she's very, defend herself here. She's, she's really very, in the midst very of focused something. on buying a new microphone. No, she's uh, looks like school, school scheduling right now. Yeah. Right now, I am answering emails for about ten parents. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is our Thursday. Me and Sean at the Tim Brower game. Probably my last game of the season, barring something popping up. Um, I did not count how many it was this year. It was quite a few, though. So, always a fun time. Unless we go to Dinosaur Night. <laughs> my money would be on uh, German Fest Night, which is uh, our Oktoberfest Night, where it's a September 9th. Tim uh, Dillard. Can't, can't go. I know I can't either. You have your wedding dress shopping. I'm going to have enter- be entertaining the boys. Yeah, take him to all of the game. It is Tim Dillard, brought Zuka bobblehead. Night. Yeah, you, just just this time you got to buy him the tickets for the food and the drinks. Right. Right. Because it's be cheaper. Probably. Especially when the four of us or the three of us all get together, it would be just cheaper to go all inclusive. Right. Um, normally, this would be when we would do our Northwoods League spotlight. And I would run through three of the four divisions, but we don't have to do that anymore because the Northwoods League season has come to an end. And with that in mind, the Green Bay Rockers win their first Northwoods League title. Because we started talking about them, isn't it? I'm not saying it's not. I think it might be. <laughs> I, I have nothing to confirm that, but I can't deny that either. Right. So the Green Bay Rockers, the Northwoods League champions, uh, won the first half of their division. And then went through the playoffs, got the win last week, Wednesday, I believe. So Green Bay Rockers, Northwoods League champions, I believe. They do have championship T-shirts coming out. I believe they're on the website already, but they will be available in the store, I believe, in the upcoming weeks. Nice. So I know that we have criticized a lot of the teams in that league for the merch, but these shirts are pretty cool, I got to say. Um so be sure to check those out if you are a Green Bay Rockers fan. And that leads us to the sport of football, which real quick, shout out to 
Coach Dahl and high school football everywhere for that matter. It started tonight, didn't it? Um, Bridget? Their eight-man season first game is scheduled for Friday, this huh. coming Friday. Uh, the eight-man season always starts a week after the 11-man season. Don't know if that game is going to get in because of potential storms coming up on Saturday. but Or Friday, excuse me. But that game might be played Saturday is kind of the confusion. Um, but with that in mind, 11-man, like I said, they got underway. They had their first week of games late last week, so Thursday and Friday of last week. The Badgers have their first game coming up on September 2nd. Obviously, we'll probably do a little bit more of a dive into that next week as we get a week away from the season. But Badger basketball, or Badger football, I should say, um, <laughs> Badger basketball had some headlines where they've gotten some recruits and have had some bigger recruits coming in the last couple of days. But Badger football, about a week and change from getting underway. So that's always a fun time for them, too. Uh, Really, just kind of, it's hard to kind of gauge and talk about the Badgers because they have such tight hands to the, you know, cards to the vest on their preseason. And they don't have a preseason. Like, the Packers have preseason games. Like, the Badgers, you jump right in week one. Uh, But there is college football that matters this weekend coming up. It is the quote-unquote week zero of college football, which I think there's actually some pretty big games going on this weekend, or so. name, at least name-wise games going on this weekend. So college football games matter again this weekend. Uh, one more week of football preseason. Oh, no, I guess I'm, just, I'm excited for the Badgers. I'm, I'm curious. I was talking with my cousin's husband, Chris, this weekend, and he's a big Badger fan, and he was saying that First play of the season is they're going to come out in their normal two tight end, fullback, halfback, but then they're going to spread everybody out, and that's going to be the introdu- introduction of the new Wisconsin football. That'd be and awesome. And I think when he said that, I'm just I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like that would be so cool if that actually happened. Like you don't even have to have actual tight ends; just have your receivers line up as tight sure. ends and everything that way, and just go five wide right away. See, I'm I'm very curious though, because so with the obviously everyone's talking about the new offense because they hired a coach who is known for their air raid offense. In Phil, the offensive coordinator Phil Longo, uh, most recently of UNC, but they also had he also had a thousand yard rusher at UNC. Yep. And when you have two of the best backs in the country, you're not not going to use them. Right. I I think I think this is gonna do wonders for Braylon Allen. Oh, hundred percent. They're gonna have, they're not going to have eight nine man boxes. No, you, three you, down straight. Even for future wise, even for him getting drafted, I think they're gonna throw him the ball more. He's gonna be a part of the whole passing offense. I rather than just your normal screen plays and out routes, and right? Quick all all that routes. kind of stuff. I think you're gonna see him line up in the slot. And just be that, be that guy that, that three down back. You're gonna have to almost, and that, right. especially I mean that works out for two reasons. One, if you want to get drafted, and it, well, first of all, if you want to play this year, that's the first yeah. reason, um, and possibly next year, more than likely just this year. But if you want to play, that is going to be kind of the route that you're gonna have to adjust in some capacity. Which is not saying that he can't. 
he's a good yep. running back in that capacity. It's not like he he's never been not able to do that. Um, but also just in the way that the NFL is going, that's the running back has become such a kind of almost antiquated position where if you're going to make a mark, you have to be able to do that stuff. Right. If you want to have any staying power, you have to be able to do that and also stay healthy and all that stuff. Well, she hasn't really, I mean, he hasn't had those kind of issues to this point in his career, but that's got to continue and you can't have too many miles on the legs and stuff like that either. Right. Um, it, it's exciting. It, it really is. I say it. I think the word of Wisconsin, state of Wisconsin football between the Badgers and the Packers is curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because you can look at this schedule this year, and I know we've kind of gone through this, and we'll probably take a deeper dive into it next week. But you can realistically look at the schedule this year and see a 10-2 and two season being very well possible. And under the old Big Ten and the old college football ways, reasonably come up to a conclusion that that is a technically kind of like a New Year's Six Rose Bowl type team. Right. Depending on how Michigan and Ohio State does. What are they ranked? Are they ranked? They are ranked in both the coaches and um, AP poll, I believe. Right around 20, I thought. 18, 19, somewhere in there. Um, Which coming off a season where you were 7 and 6 is nothing short of impressive. Right. I mean, that's a lot of hype for a new head coach. But if there's going to be a coach that's, I guess, not deserving of that hype but warrants that hype, it's going to be the first coach to take a group of five school to the college football playoff. Yep, 100%. And now coming to a power five, getting, quote-unquote, their guys in, but you know, actually literally taking some guys from, like, Cincinnati and whatnot in the transfer portal, but also getting their system and all that with it, too, to a school that, Perennially has had a great defense as well, and he's a defensive-minded head coach. So um, that is kind of where that's at as well. Like I said, just curiosity. There is a path to 10-2, and 11-1, and one, and that's a realistic possibility. It's right. not hyperbole. Right. And I, for, I forgot, we forgot to give a noogie to the social media crew. From Cincinnati? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, for those of you that didn't see that story, <laughs> I forgot about that until um, we were just talking here. I did too. The well, it was an assistant, probably I think, that was logged into the Cincinnati account. So I'm about Tanner Mordecai as the Badger quarterback, um, being like their big transfer and all that. But it was logged into the Cincinnati football account, so it must be an assistant coach or some front office Something person. It's got to be, and. Just a very, I mean, it's it's all funny. There's no harm in it. No, it's just funny. That's all it is. But yeah, that was that was funny. I forgot about that yeah. too. But um, ends up looking even worse because Tanner. It's not even like Tanner Mordecai was a transfer from Cincinnati, right? Where you could kind of figure some sort of confusion. It's just yeah, the guy didn't log in the right account on yep. on X. Yep. Uh, so that is Badger football talk for the week and high school football talk. Um, I don't know enough to go into the Wisconsin high school football standings. No. I know Kimberly won on a forfeit. Um, West appeared. West appeared, I believe, won. Notre Dame won for the first time over Pulaski in like 10 years or something like that. Um, so There's a, there was a kid from Nina that threw for 400 yards. Yeah. 
I mean, it was... So just kind of that, that fun, you know, there's a lot smarter, better people at high school football than us. Right. Um, I'm trying to talk to Justin about getting our Back to the Roots show kind of back up and running and get a little bit of a football episode. Got to find time for that. The man is a busy guy. You know, three kids, high school football coach, high school basketball coach. Plus, then you throw in the fact that they're moving. Just the guy is going, uh, he's always doing something. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will get back to that and we'll touch base with him in some capacity. Be sure to pay attention to the Root for Wisconsin social media platforms for all things high school sports on that show. Uh, with that, Sean, that leads us to the Green Bay Packers. No, actually, nothing from the Bucks. No, they've been pretty quiet. But I do want to actually ask you because I don't. I didn't do it. I'm. Were you on the show when we were talking about the Big Ten expanding a whole lot more? I, I can't remember so. if you I were here so. for that or not. I think so. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Any thoughts? If you weren't, why I not? think you were. Yeah, I think so. I'm so like, we'll what? we'll stay. Yeah. Why not? Why not make it bigger? Big Ten is, I think, the, the Big Eighteen now. Yeah. Might as well just get two more. Let's make right. it the Big Twenty. Right. Just fully embrace the chaos. Um. Which, yes, that, again, leads us back to the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, one and one in the preseason. Not quite like the Baltimore Ravens, who 24 preseason game win streak came to an end last night. Yeah. on They lose to the Commanders. Monday Night Football. But the Green Bay Packers are at one and one on the preseason. Uh, the starters have played about five drives offensively. Uh, we had the game on, Sean. I had the, the DVR replay on here. Um from the other night, so really we haven't talked Packers in two weeks. So first, just kind of looking at, kind of go backtrack a little bit just to the Bengals game. Um, not a whole lot to kind of go through offensively, defensively. Uh, just kind of looking at the stats. Jordan Love, I believe, was four of six passing. Uh, had a couple misses, which to be expected. Right. I mean, he sailed one. Um over Luke Musgrave on second down, I think. Uh, and I think he had one miss to Dobbs as well on that same drive. Maybe it was two to Musgrave that he missed. No, it was one to Watson. He was going on a deep ball to Watson that was just a little underthrown, but it was, the defender made a hell of a play. Um, if he has like a little bit more air on it, probably is a touchdown. But that's football. Right. Was the right read. Uh, same thing with the Musgrave play on a third down. Just overthrew it a little bit, made the right decision. The arm talent hasn't ever been the question for Jordan no. Love. It's been the mental side. So uh, did go for a second drive in that game, went down the field, had the touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. Offense called in a night um, from the first string perspective anyway. Uh, the highlight of that game, I think, was Emmanuel Wilson, the – undrafted running back who in the game that I think it was his technically his NFL debut because he's a rookie right uh, was 14 years to the day that his father had passed away and he had 130 100 no 113 yards on like seven carries including an 80 yard touchdown uh, kind of became a little bit of a dark horse to make the main roster I don't think he ended up I don't think he will in the long run but I think he did 
secure himself a starting or a backup role with another team. Right. He will be on a 53-man roster come the weekend of the 10th through or the 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, week one. Uh, he will be on an NFL roster that week is my quote-unquote bold prediction. Uh, defense looked really good in that game. Uh, had gone six straight quarters, uh, not giving up a touchdown that was not off of a turnover, like with a short field, just untrue defensive possession. So, yeah, I mean, that that's uh, the first game. Second game was this last week against the Patriots. That was Saturday. Uh, Packers do fall short in that one. After a injury stoppage, yep. suspended the game, um, which for for what it's worth, I'm I'm gonna say I get it, I get why they stopped the game, especially given how chippy things were. The and whole the week. two the whole week with the joint practices, it makes sense. There's no sense in well, okay anybody Here, else here's getting my, hurt. Here's my question for you: What is the point of these joint practices? Because it seems like every every team gets chippy in these practices and then it just goes into these games. So there is, I think there is a lot of benefit to them for what it's worth. Um, The big benefit to them on the surface is that you do have a quote unquote safe way to kind of play your starters, play your main guys in a scripted dynamic where it's lower contact. It's not in, it's not in that game atmosphere, but you still get the reps against, you know, other teams' ones. So from that perspective, I think they're great. I get it. But like you said, they, these guys just can't not fight after right. two days. I don't understand it. Um, which maybe the, the route would be to limit it to one practice, have your one practice, because it's really when it gets a two. Right. When you get to that second practice is where the issues start becoming issues um and that was case in point last week wednesday obviously was a little bit chippy just because that's how football is um but you get into thursday where that second back-to-back day and that's where it was almost like non-stop fights and it's not beneficial to anybody no so and then it went into saturday for the game too right so i i see the downside of it i think Coaches, and I think, like I said, from the perspective of you can get those controlled reps, starters and starters, and not have the game atmosphere per se. But why can't you do that with your own team? I think then you get into the optics of if a guy gets hurt in a game, that doesn't matter. Kind of like the Jordy Nelson injury a couple years back. If you, t- if you have your starting receiver tear his ACL in the preseason game, it doesn't matter. You look bad. If they tear it in practice, I guess somehow it's better. I I don't know. I see the I see it. I I go back and forth on it myself. I just I just didn't, don't understand it. I, I just feel like it it's just causing way more issues than than it needs to be. Yeah, I definitely would. In the I guess in the sense of like the fights and everything like that. There's no. There's no right. need for it in that capacity. Right. I think if, like I said, if you can find that happy medium where maybe the NFL has to step in and say, yeah, one day. Have your one day of practice. Get your look. 
get your reps, you know, ones versus ones if they're not going to play in the game. But why don't we have this during the year then? That's the other thing. I mean, why is it, why is it just preseason that we you do this and I think the you argument know, you know they're be, not showing everything in the preseason no matter what they no matter what they do. I think the argument would be that typically in the preseason you don't play teams that you play on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Like if you look at the regular season and Seattle's kind of the outlier to that because the Packers have seemingly played Seattle. Right. Didn't they play Cincinnati last year and New England last year? Uh they played New England last year. They played Cincinnati in twenty twenty one. Because okay. they have the the three gate, you know, you have your rotating AFC teams. Oh, I got you. Um, but in the sense of like your NFC, like I guess you typically play a team that you wouldn't normally play that like at least that year, maybe right. not the following. So I get not that's why you don't do it in the regular season, especially when you have these teams. I mean, you don't. You don't really see a whole lot of drastic turnover like in different standing spots either. So like when you're playing in the NFC, you're playing, you know, you play like the fir- if you finish in first, you play the first place team in this division, you play the first place team in that division, and then you play the whole like NFC West or whatever. So I get it in that capacity. I think there's I th- I can only think of one time maybe two, but I'm only thinking of one. I think it was Aaron Rodgers' second year as a starter where they played the Cardinals in the regular season, the preseason, and the postseason, which was such a one-off thing. And the fact that they even played them in the preseason and the regular season right. was weird. But just, I mean, obviously with scheduling and stuff, it's I, I can and only imagine what all goes into that. only thing that, it, that worked at the time. And... But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer to to solve it is going to be because I think a lot of teams are going to continue going with this joint practice route. Right. I know they are. I know it's never going to end, but it's just... And I, I, Like I said, I do think there is a lot of benefit to it on the surface. I think... The fighting? Or no. Just the joint <laughs> practice. The idea um, of kind of limiting the game action for your starters and whatnot. And kind of letting the preseason, especially if you're only going to have three games versus what it had been four... Yeah. Prior to that, had been six. Where if you have guys fighting for roster spots, they should get more game action. I think you don't need Jordan Love going out there for more than a couple of drives. When you, I mean, I guess you probably do right now, but you don't really firmly have your backup quarterback. It's going to be Sean Clifford. I mean, right. Alex Magoo didn't even play last week because of the injury stoppage and whatnot at the ten minute mark, but. Um, I was really hoping it was going to be him, though. Alex Magoo? Mm-hmm. I did, too. I, I was. I have watched a lot of film on him in the last couple of weeks, like from his USFL playing, and the guy's exciting. And I'm, I'm sure he will be on this roster because of the new quarterback rule. I feel like he's going to be that designated third guy. But Sean Clifford's played very well in the preseason as well. Um I do think people need to calm down on the whole Sean Clifford should be the starter conversation. That's getting ridiculous. <laughs> Why not? For what it's worth, and I, 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 go, I have gone back and forth on what I've thought of what Jordan Love is going to be this season so much. And I want to go on record as I've always been, I think it was a good pick at the time, 
I have always been intrigued by Jordan Love. Um, I believe in Jordan Love as a whole. But at the same time, I'm very curious on like what is going to transpire. Um, because I think, you know, there's there's two ways the season's going to go. Either option one is they may have a down year record wise, but you might see that he's the guy. And I think that's more likely at this point that you're going to have a firmer answer on it. But on the other hand, they could be successful and still have question marks and kind of get into that Dak Prescott territory of, okay, is he really that good? Is the system, are you going to have to overpay him in two years? I don't think you're going to have to overpay him. I'd... I don't either. And after... Because I, I, there's, there's no way he's worth $40 million. Like, right. Like what they gave Dak. And actually... He, he's, he's right around that... 20, 25. I'm going to say that Kirk Cousins, three years, sure. 84. I think that's what he got when he went to Minnesota. So just shy of 30. Yeah, 28. Sure. I think that would be right around your perfect number. Anywhere from that 25 to 28, 30, somewhere around there. I will go on record as Jordan Love this week, and it was still against the starters, so I don't, you know, obviously you kind of temper your expectations a little bit because it's technically still preseason. Not everyone's playing, but a lot of the guys played this last week. Jordan Love made a play that I think kind of proves that he's the guy. And I'm going to explain this here in a second. Um, it's a touchdown pass to Jaden Reed. And it's not because it was a touchdown. So if you watch that play from the All-22 cam, they call it, like the back, like straight on, that play, he did something that I don't think he would have done last year. And he sure as shit wouldn't have done it in 2021 and obviously not in 2020 because he didn't even, he was the number three quarterback. Jordan Love, on the touchdown play, was patient. And if, if you haven't seen the film, to our listening audience, if you go on Twitter, if you go on, well, X, if you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, you go on your preferred social media, I'm sure it's out there. The play he made, he gets the snap. First of all, it's a play-action pass. Fakes the hand off to Aj Dillon. I was fooled by it. I, it was it was a beautifully done play action. Um, obviously, learning from the master himself because Aaron Rodgers is the king of play action. Uh, that was actually a feature in Hard Knocks last week. Which, if you haven't seen that, that's funny. But um, he was great at play action, and Aj Dillon sold it beautifully. The Patriots were in the correct defense for it. Where I thought Aj Dillon was tackled for a loss of two. But it was obviously not. So Jordan Love does the fake, sits in the pocket, and finds Jaden Reed on a cross route, deep cross, makes the throw, touchdown. The impressive part about it is he didn't throw it out of the break. And if you, like I said, if you watch it from that all 22 cam, the first break of the cross route where he goes from running straight to crossing across the field. It gives the appearance that he's open. However, if, if love throws it in that first window, 
it's interception. The linebacker is playing underneath. And unless, I mean, the guy might drop it, but it's an incomplete pass nine and a half times out of ten unless he just sails it over him or if the backer gets too happy and just misses it. But just it wouldn't have been the read. So he lets Reed cross the linebacker, and he said it in the postgame himself. He says he got to the second window, makes his throw. So he had the patience to sit there, let Reed cross the linebacker, fall into the gap in the zone, make the throw, which was a laser. And Jaden Reed bounced off the DB and scored. Um, That throw, that play, I think kind of speaks to, like I said, you know, the the Monday morning quarterback story that was in Sports Illustrated uh, where everyone talks about where the Packers knew that Love was the guy last year because he executed a play that was on his do not call list and did it well, stayed poised, all that stuff. That's one of those plays that, like I said, a year ago, I don't think he has the patience for. I think he tries to throw it at the first break because he did look open. If you, you know, if you're playing Madden or whatever, he looks open. But as soon as you throw it, or as soon as you see him break, then you see the linebacker underneath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that poise, to have that recognition, and to really see the game come to him in that capacity, because the, the criticism of him was never the arm. It was always the mind. Does he make the right decision? Does he have the timing? Does he have the patience? All that stuff. And that play, he shows it. And it winds up for six. And there's been those moments throughout camp from every reporter who's been there, a lot of the fans. You've seen it at least once in every game. You could talk about the Romeo Dobbs play down the sideline. They end up uh, having to challenge. Dobbs made an incredible play to toe tap the or to keep the fir, the back foot on the ground, toe tap the lead foot, get two feet in for the catch. And that was like the quote unquote one thing missing from this preseason, had been the deep ball, which I think it was like a forty three yard gain. But I'm more impressed by again at decision making, letting the cross happen, being patient on it, sitting back on it, and getting the play. Uh, Sean, you finally, uh, you have seen this play now. We yep. had the game on. Yep, we watched it before. Um, three series on Saturday. Your thoughts? I thought he looked fairly, fairly decent. I mean, like you said, that, that one play was, was a very, just seeing it, actually just seeing it for the first time when we were, we were watching it before because I missed it. But just seeing it, just letting him see the play develop. And I think that's what we've been waiting to see and what we have been seeing for how many years with Aaron Rodgers and everything that way. And I think it's just it's just a thing that we needed to see and everybody needed to see in order to believe. Yeah, and... You know, maybe something will happen this week against Seattle where I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm nervous again. But that game, and again, just it's it's one play, you know, in a preseason game. But just to have that confidence and to have that recognition, that's an NFL quarterback. That's what an NFL quarterback needs to do. Sean Clifford, I don't think, makes that throw. No. I think he tries to get it on the break because he's a lot more like Brett Favre and hits it on the first break, throws it upfield. Maybe it works out, 
maybe you know it, it, right. it's not impossible. I, I think there's you you could throw at a lot of quarterbacks. Don't throw don't well throw the first window, not the second window. Right. A lot of the starting quarterbacks that we have now. You get either too antsy or just not having the faith in the play, or maybe thinking you know maybe overthinking that the linebacker is going to follow instead of sitting that zone. So faith in the play call, faith, you know, there's just so many different components of it. And that makes me believe that Jordan Love has that capability to be, quote unquote, a guy in the NFL, be a legitimate, more top end starting quarterback and be really fun for the next handful of years. Am I ready to declare him the next Green Bay Hall of Fame quarterback for the third one that we've hit on in a row? And right. 30-some-odd years. I don't know if I'm there yet. No. But there's a lot kind of adding up to the Packers might have got another one. I think you can you can kind of look at the arm talent, look at the progression and the growth that he's made since 2020 when he got drafted, even going from 2021, that first preseason that the fans got to see him play it all, um, made the one start in Kansas City, got blitzed, Every play, it seemed like, had the couple possessions against can or against Philadelphia last year to kind of make that game a game, even though it wasn't. And then you can kind of see some of that writing on the wall as we get into this year that a lot of things are adding up, a lot of things are clicking, a lot of things are making more sense. And really, it could it very well could be a very fun year. I don't think they could be any worse than what they were last year. I, I that that's the way I'm look, going into this season. No, and I I agree. I don't maybe you know, in the sense of if you're talking strictly on record, I could, I could see if it's a game worse where instead of eight and nine, they're seven and ten or right. To that but effect. you could, you could also see it the other way where they're a game ahead and a. At, I could see this being a nine, nine and eight or ten yeah. and seventeen. Right. I really could. I think there's a path for it. Uh, they have a pretty easy schedule, a lot of, you know, not a whole lot of travel miles-wise. Uh, they're playing a third-place schedule. That's the reality of the situation. There's a lot in place where that could be all set up for them to make a, maybe not win the division, but definitely make a wild-card appearance. If not, maybe get that division title back after a year hiatus. So, we'll see. So, I, m- I missed this. What was the injury with Devondre Campbell? I believe it's an ankle. I don't believe it's Inc- super it's severe. It's not super serious? Okay. Um, I think it's more out of precaution that they want a body to play in the preseason. Okay. I Because I thought I had seen that they were looking for... They did sign a linebacker, um, like an undrafted free agent linebacker yesterday. A fast linebacker, too, is what I thought. I, I believe so. Like 4-4, four, 4-5 four, 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 speed, something like that. But... I believe as of right now, it's nothing to be overly concerned about okay. long-term for this coming season. Um, Any other injuries that we had to worry about? Um, I don't think so. Well, I, we should make note because of the injury stoppage. Uh, Isaiah Bolden did travel home with the Patriots yep. in the morning, was yep. released from the hospital. Uh, so good news all on that front. Um I don't know if they ever formally di- disclosed if it was concussion or neck or what it was. I but think I think they said he for sure had a concussion of some sort. That would be my guess as well. But uh, all in all, he did travel home with the team Sunday morning. So 
everything positive, everything checked out that wise. Uh, before he left the stadium, he did have feeling all extremities and blah, blah, blah. was more of a precautionary measure for testing to keep him overnight. Um, did Carlos Santana almost beat that out? I think he did. I think he really did beat it out. So, just real quick, <laughs> the ADHD brain taking over the <laughs> Brewers uh, and Twins deadlocked at two, bottom of the third. Curious if the Brewers challenge this. Uh, Carlos Santana grounding into what is now a double play. It's going to be close. I don't know if they said that he's going to. Yeah, he's yeah, out he by half out. step, but that he big man was moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so runner on third, bottom of the third. Willie Adamas, who had the two-run home run earlier in the game, comes up to the plate and first pitch swing and a miss on a. Let's call that a slider. That yep, was slider. wicked. Uh, anyway, so Green Packers injury-wise, uh, Jair Alexander has an ankle, I think, as well. But, again, nothing serious. He was never going to play in the preseason anyway. Right. Wouldn't be too <coughs> long-term concerned on that one. Um, beyond that, I believe there might have been one on the offensive line. Uh, Jake Hansen was cut today. But I don't think that was injury related. Can we talk about the struggles of Josh Myers? Though? I'd be happy to talk about the struggles of Josh Myers because it has been nothing short of infuriating. I mean, it. it how do you? You're a NFL center and you can't snap the football to your quarterback. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this has been an ongoing thing all. Yeah, it's been all preseason. All preseason, right? Um, going back to family night. Family night. He had the botched snap on the two minute drill. There's been fumbles in practice. There was actually another one today as we record. Uh, on the second to last public practice, there was a, a botched snap. Um, just, wow. Willie Adamas line out to third, ends the third inning. Brewers and Twins still tied at two. Um, yeah, it, it's just one of those things. And it's kind of, there's been a lot of talk about moving Zach Tom into play center. Or Elton Jenkins, I believe the preferred route, if they had to go that way, would be Tom at center and then moving Yash Nijman out to right tackle. I believe, and after talking with uh, Zach Brenner, I talked with him on uh, on the fan two weeks ago when I was filling in for Marcus, uh, Flurry Sports Podcast, L- uh, Lombardi Suite Podcast, you name it, he's probably doing it. Um, offensive line coach at the college level as well. He talked about, and kind of what to put it in perspective is, as of right now, the reason Josh Myers probably still has a job is that the gap of him at center and having Zach Tom at tackle is probably less than what having Tom at center and Yash Nijman at right tackle. What do you mean by gap? So like just the start, like the... If you kind of like what you give up, so they believe that Tom is enough of an upgrade at tackle over what Yash Nijman would bring to where it isn't worth having Tom interior as opposed to having him on the outside. I think it's saying more about he's a better fit at the tackle position and kind of dealing with Josh Myers through this struggle as opposed to going to Zach Tom and what Yash Nijman would bring at right tackle. 
But I feel like Josh Nijman proved himself last year with Bakhtiari injury and everything that way. But I do. I, that's what I thought too. And going into that conversation with Zach, I was kind of surprised. I never thought of it that way. But there's obviously a reason that the decision hasn't been made. And he, again, he's an offensive line coach. I'm sure he has more of an insight on it. I didn't, when he said that, it made an insane amount of sense. Right. But I can't pinpoint why. Because I don't, you know, I played the position in high school, which, not very well. But, (laughs) um, I don't know what makes Zach Tom so much better at tackle than he would be at center versus what Yash Nijman would be at tackle at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, just an odd right. thing and one of those that's just going to continue being more frustrating. Because there were issues last year too, weren't they? There was the injury issue, which for, was the big thing first of all. And then the other issue, I don't think it was ever snaps per se. I think it was Timing. his blocking after the snap. So I think in that capacity, it's been, you know, I think you, I think the big thing is you can hide bad blocking better in on the interior than you can on the exterior. Right. Because you have, I mean, John Runyon might be the unsung hero of this offensive line. First of all, the guy, no injury issues to this point. That's a fall walk. Ooh, just on the chalk, I think. I don't think it hit the chalk. I think it was just I think, so they technically can't review it because it was in front of the umpire. But That's dumb. I agree. Um but I think they can kind of make up for his blocking and maybe just Zach Tom isn't as good snapping. I I can't imagine he'd be worse. Right. Can't really <laughs> get much worse. But I think again you can kind of cover that up interiorly. And again, John Runyon, uh, again, not injury prone to this point, um, but has been a very quietly consistent guy at that right guard spot where right. it seemed like so many other moving pieces, whether it be injuries or kind of having the one big injury to Bakhtiari of that rotating wheel of, okay, is it going to be Elton Jenkins to tackle? Do we move him to guard? Elton Jenkins playing center. What do you do with the rest of the line? You've just been kind of moving pieces all the way around to make something work. John Runyon's been there. He's been consistent. And Elton yep. Jenkins has been consistently on the line, but he's played three different spots. Um, unless you're banking on Bakhtiari getting injured, and then you're going to have to have him in there no matter what. And maybe that's a, a part of it, too, is just that they don't, have, they don't feel that they have the depth to go Nijman and Zach Tom and Bakhtiari slash Josh Myers. Right. They feel like at least Myers is healthy. He's playing. And you want to have kind of Josh Nijman in that reserve role in case I, something I, should happen. I, th- I think that's probably more where they're looking than than anything. Which, if that's the case, then, I mean, unless he's just not, I mean, I haven't seen anything bad, but. I think cutting Jake Hansen today doesn't make a whole lot of sense then. Right. I would probably want to have a another a quote-unquote another arm in practice to at least push Myers to be more competitive, 
be better and not have to frequently worry. His, his rookie year, he was really good, wasn't he? I think last year was his rookie year, was wasn't it? it? No, I thought it was two years. Maybe maybe it was. I don't know. Um, regardless. Right, regardless. It, it's just it's one of those things where what do you what what can you even do? You know, really. Right. Um it it is a concern. I think they have probably some maybe some bigger pressing priority, possibly at the kicker position right now. Yeah, but there's a there's a kicker sitting uh all ready to go and everything now. Wait, wait, just waiting for a call. So yeah. Um, by the way, Anders Carlson was one of four today. Yeah, I know. I in practice, uh, including he made from forty-seven, I believe, missed from forty-five, fifty, and what? But he was. I mean, the guy's a gamer. He looked good at Lambeau Field on Saturday. To his credit. Uh, not that that goes too, too far in the grand scheme of things, but and you'd probably want to have a guy who can do it in practice and games. But, yeah, there is there is a guy just kind of waiting around, hasn't signed. Just needs a phone call and he'll come and play. Probably doesn't need too much money. No, I, I would be willing to bet that he doesn't need anything other than the vet minimum. Right. Just Just to put a little competition in, in camp. I'm surprised that it hasn't happened, unless they're just really... I mean, they had, I believe last week, um, Gudikins was on record saying that going into the regular season, this is going to be their guy, which I just have a hard time buying if that's the case, but... Right. That's better minds than mine. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, that is our look at the... Green Bay Packers as they go into their last preseason game. Um, already we do expect Jordan Love to play a little bit from what uh, Matt LaFleur had said. He said he does reserve the right to change his mind. But that has not occurred quite yet. Um, as we go into the last preseason game, Sean, I'm going to ask three things that you want to still see. i got to find three? Well, we can combine for three. But three things that you want to see or that we need to see out of this last preseason game yet. I'm gonna, I'll start. I'll give you one. I would love to see a little more Alex Magoo. Right. I, I, I totally agree with you there. I, I, I really want him to do, to do good. Because it, it really feels like he hasn't had... Right, he has an equal shot in games. I mean, there's probably better minds for what they do in practice. And maybe that's just, you know, obviously we're not at practice every day or any day for that matter. Right. But I would just, I feel like I want to see that in a game, what he can bring as someone who's technically played professional football. Um, at even like a little bit of a, le- well, probably an equal level. We're being honest for that last preseason game. Um, I'm content if Jordan Love plays one or two drives. I don't need to see much more. No. Uh, I'm surprised he's going to play at all. I, I said on radio, I think, before the Cincinnati game, I would have been content if he didn't play in the preseason. Right. I mean, I'm glad he has to the sense where I feel a little bit more confident. And I've seen some things that 
like I said, that throw against the Patriots. But if I hadn't seen any of that, I would have been probably pretty content going into the season. Um, I'm curious on the potential battle. We're, again, I, I have such an offensive focus because I think the defense is pretty well set uh, with where they all are. I mean, I'd, I would like to see if they're actually going to use Keyshawn Nixon in, on defense a little bit more and on offense. That's that's kind of the guy that I'm kind of looking at. Well, he's he's played very well defensively to this point. Um, he even had the sack in week one on right. a freaking uh, slot corner nickel blitz, which was awesome. But I'm I'm kind of curious if they're actually going to use him on offense because I remember, didn't they talk about a little bit of using him on the offense a little bit more? There has been talk. I think the big thing, though, is if they're going to use him, I don't think it's going to be in the preseason. I don't well, think they want right. to put anything on film. Um, but I definitely I would like to see a little bit more. I, th- I don't think he suited up the other night, to be honest with you. I can't, and then, can't pinpoint him playing uh, against the Patriots. Who's the new safety we got? He got injured too, didn't he? Tarverius Moore. Yes. And then did we get another? We get a second one too, didn't we? The, uh, one, the one who's dating, married to Simone Viles. Jonathan Owens. Jonathan Owens. Yep. Okay. Uh, so I think that kind of goes to it, just kind of figuring out the rotation because I don't think they had like a firm rotation at safety. I think that might just be the way that the season goes. I think so too. I think it's going to be hot. The two hot hands of. Your pick your combination: Jonathan Owens, Rudy Ford, Donald Savage. However, you feel that week, right? Which I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se either. No. Um, and then maybe even moving. I think Rasul Douglas has had some talk about moving back, especially with how well uh, both Carrington Valentine and Corey Valentine have played. That's gonna be that's gonna be tough to keep those guys straight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, even now, I had to kind of really <laughs> focus on saying the right the right first names. Um, but I, I guess I'm kind of curious because there is some, you know, does Valentine stay on the roster? Do they try to stash him on a practice squad? I've seen where he gets projected to get cut. I've seen where he's on the main roster. Um, some people believing that the Packers might go into the regular season with only four true cornerbacks because I, Stokes is still on the pup list. Uh, that's right. So what, What's his injury again? He had the ankle injury. It wasn't like an Achilles. It wasn't an ACL, but it ended his season last year, and he's still going through that yet. Uh, For what it's worth, Rashawn Gary back to 11-on-11 drills today, as of today. So uh, good progress there for him. Should we be ready for the opening? opening I'd imagine if he's not week one, week two. So I would imagine he'll he'll be early. Um, Here's an idea that I... For some reason, popped in my head. Do you think? I know. I know he's going to be as small. He would be small at this, but kind of like uh, putting Darnell Savage in your in your linebacker rotation, and just kind of having him. The only downside of that is that they have a project guy like that right now in Tariq Carpenter, oh, okay. the second year guy out of Georgia Tech, who they drafted as a safety, um, who is converted. I. Th- Think, I suppose in Quay Walker's fast enough where he, we won't right. have, we won't have that issue. I I think it would you know because he is fully guaranteed this year. I think they're 
they might have to get creative with Darnell Savage if he starts to struggle again. I don't think you're going to want to have that much money sitting on your bench. Right. Um, I think he'd be, if I'm being honest, I think he'd be more likely to play like a slot corner versus a, a linebacker role, which depending on your format of your defense isn't really that different right. anyway. Right. Uh, especially in a 3-4 where you almost probably go like a 3-2-5 in a way. Um, you can make that happen pretty easily and not be like even in a true nickel, kind of mm-hmm. keep your 3-4 but play it that way. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that does happen in that capacity. Um, The other question mark I guess I have going into this last preseason game, I'll say I want to see a little bit more out of Lucas Van Ness. We saw flashes of him finally this last game. There were none against Cincinnati. So I would like to see a little bit more of him. And I'm curious on a third tight end. As to, or technically, I guess a fourth, because they're considering, depending on which way you look at the roster, DeGuara is either a fullback or a tight end. Um, with Tyler Davis getting hurt and now being out the year, because for some reason he was going to be on the fifty-three. Um, I still don't understand but are, it. Are you are you gonna wait and sign a guy off of one of these other rosters? Or is it going to be a guy internally? I don't know. And I think that's kind of what, I'm, I, what I think I want to see is, do they think they have a guy in camp who can be that third guy? Because Luke Musgrave is as advertised. I think Tucker Craft is going to be as advertised. But just a little bit behind Luke Musgrave just because of how the Packers offense is going to work. But to that end... Um, yeah, I, I'm curious on if there is that third tight end, or like I said, technically fourth, however you want to classify Aguero. Packers on official depth chart hasn't been full, as a fullback. Um, and then also, for what it's worth, the the receiver battle for how many, first of all, how many you're going to keep? And That's the toughest who? thing every year. I mean, you look at your locks, you've got probably four locks right now. You've got Watson, Dobbs, Jaden Reed. And I would I would give Samari Torre a lock, uh, just because of what he can do special teams wise, especially if Keyshawn Nixon. If you do focus on him, I th- I think I think Keyshawn Nixon gets hurt. I think you might see Jaden Reed as the return guy. Also, I could they see, both I could had see a that lot happening. of rotation. Um, I believe if Keyshawn Nixon were to go down, one of them would be punt. One of them is a kick return. I can't remember how it broke down on the depth chart, um, but one of them did do. One of each. Um, Malik Heath has been the camp darling. Number Rock in the number 18. Uh, do you keep both draft picks? Do you keep Dontavian Wicks and Grant DuBose? Do you only keep Dontavian Wicks? Um, Malik Heath, to his credit, has made that a hard decision. Where do you give the tie? You know, this is a, this is a quote from The Athletic, so I can't take credit for this, but... In baseball, the tie goes to the runner. In football, the tie goes to the draft pick. Right. But have you seen enough? I think we have seen enough out of Malik Heath. And Grant DuBose was injured until about a week and a half ago, where I think just you have a better odds of stashing him and getting him back on a practice squad. Not that anyone's going to be hunting Malik Heath down either. Right. But that's kind of the other interesting 
who, you know, is it going to be six? Is it only going to be five? Is it going to be just Dontavian Wicks and maybe store both of them? I, I'd imagine it's probably going to be six. That's kind of the, the trendy prediction. And then you only keep your two tight ends? Uh, you still would go th- three or four tight ends. You'd go two quarterbacks, two running backs, and not have a third running back, which I'd... I think that's another conversation, too. I mean, Emmanuel Wilson has looked every bit the part, but he has struggled in pass pro, and he doesn't necessarily have that special team's ability that, say, Tyler Goodson does. Um, Patrick Taylor has the pass pro ability. So, you know, you look at those two guys, and you look at Emmanuel Wilson, as a pure running back, you'd not probably go to Emmanuel Wilson. But... There's so much more to that position that it likely won't be any of the three being a running back three on the the main roster. You possibly could stash two out of the three. I I firmly believe Emmanuel Wilson's going to be picked up. I really do. Or Patrick Taylor. I, I feel like he showed he he showed flashes last year. Patrick Taylor is an interesting like because of where the running back position is right now, and that he is just such a A.J. Dillon, light thunder kind of guy. Right. I don't think... I think there's enough of guys like him out there where I don't think he'd get stashed, where I think teams are looking for the kind of the compliment to that kind of running back, like a Tyler Goodson, like a Emmanuel Wilson. Um, even for our sake, Aaron Jones. I think that's a more flashy, willing-to-get-signed kind of thing than that three yards in a cloud of dust power back. Right. But yeah, Patrick Taylor, I mean, he's shown flashes. He's probably been the most consistent of the group. So at the end of the day, we probably only keep the two on the main. Um, I think a lot of people, like I said, you probably go six receivers, the three tight ends and the fullback technically on DeGuara, um, usually 10 offensive linemen. Can't remember how many defensive linemen. Four corners. I think four safeties technically. You'd have to have more than four corners, wouldn't you? Like I said, that's that was the prediction. Um, the Athletic had. It was Jair, Rasul, Valentine, and Nixon. Nixon with technically with Stokes being on the pup. Um. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. So Great. those we are kind of week. We've got one more game, and then we've got a week in between of wait and see and see what they end up doing and go from there. Uh, so we'll probably go through a little bit more of a roster prediction next week as well. So one more game. Check out the Packers and Seahawks noon kickoff for a Saturday preseason game. Is it at noon? It's at noon. Um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say tickets are still available. Obviously not through the Packers, but tickets are available through your preferred third party um outlet. Yep. And of course the general public. So be sure to check those out. Um with that, Sean, I think we're just about wrapped up here. I'll ask, what are you rooting for in the upcoming week? Um, I'm going to go with the Timberheller game Thursday, and I think I think that's all I got for this weekend. 
I'm going to double down. I'm going to go Tim Brower game Thursday, mm-hmm. and uh, we are going to the Brewer game Saturday for Shauna's father's birthday. So happy early birthday, Tom. Uh, we will be at AmFam Saturday night to celebrate. I think you should have took him to the Timber Rattler game for wrestling night. You know. That would have been so much fun. Tom would have had such a great time with that. I don't disagree, but it's what he wanted. <laughs> I, we've had this conversation before, Sean. We could have doubled down with ACW and Timber Rattlers on Friday, RPW Saturday, but alas, I was outnumbered. So, is what it is. Right. All right. Uh, bar of the week this week. You got one for us? Or do I have to try to find one here? Um, nah, I, 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 don't, I don't have one off the top of my head. I'm trying, trying to think. Have we, done, have we done the windmill in the falls? Um, I don't remember if we've done that or not. I'm going to say that we have not, so I will give them... That one. Okay. So the windmill in O'Connell Falls. Let me get it pulled up. Yeah. We really need to plan this better. We do, but we never, we say that every time and we never do. Windmill in O'Connell Falls, 4.6 stars on Google out of 106 reviews. Uh, looking at them, uh, the first one here, five stars from Angel. This came about a month ago. So the Friday fish fry was excellent. Stephanie, the bartender, was amazing. Uh, another one here. We were passing through and happened to stop here. Waitress, bartender, cook was so great. She did it all. Food was so good. Another five-star small-town bar. Cozy and friendly people to serve you. Five stars for all food, service, whatever. Uh, Sean, what is your favorite at the windmill? I just like going. We I've gone there once or twice for fish on Friday nights, and it's been very good. Yeah, it, it's a... I, we've, I've gone there after... Uh, playing volleyball a couple times now, I believe. And I believe the nights that we've gone there, I believe it's been um, like a Taco Tuesday type night. But highly recommend. Great little stop. Right. Uh, also, probably one of the best bar volleyball courts around. Mm-hmm. Very soft, very nice court. Yep. Um, all right. So that is our bar of the week as we wrap up here. Just real quick update on the Brewers. Currently trailing three to two in the top of the fifth. Man on first, one out. The Tigers currently lead the Cubs eight to six. So we'll see how that plays out. Brewers still a two and a half gate lead on the division. With that, episode one twenty three is in the books for Shauna, who is no longer on the episode for Ramsey and Justin, who are not here, and for Shauna myself. We're out. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya.